0: Sunny 16 presents.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Music and Photography Podcast. I'm Billy Sanford, and on this episode, I'm excited to be talking to Mike Padua. Mike, thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. So, I'm, you know, Mike, I'm assuming that most of the people listening are going to be familiar with shootfilmco.com, and I do want to talk to you about that a little bit in a minute but uh, i was mentioning uh when you jumped on that you know it when i've heard you on some of the other podcasts you always drop in these little references about music and guitar and and how these things are additional components in your life uh in addition to your photography but i haven't heard more of the the deep dive into that story so tell us a little bit about music how you know kind of some of the aspects of it that that play a role in your life
0: well sure yeah well as um late in high school i started playing guitar i I think i picked up a guitar when i was 15. you know my i I think my mom saw that i had some passing interest in it and of course she tried to stoke the fire being the great mom that she was she's like gotta get the kid a guitar you know so i got a guitar (laughs) that sat around for a couple of years you know i'd strum on it here and there but with buy a couple of issues of guitar world magazine here and there and learn some uh, learn some tablature you know right and um late in high school i met a bunch of friends who were far more advanced in music than i i was um and and they were starting bands Mm -hmm. so of course that looked like just the most fun thing so i had to hop on that train and you know I started playing with uh with these friends of mine who were way better than me like right. uh, you know they were they were years more advanced than me but you know they they didn't care we were all we were all friends and stuff so you know in a matter of weeks I got way better than I did on guitar than I did in the last two years of just kind of fiddling around you know like I, I was right. able to kind of learn some songs and and keep up and stuff and, uh, yeah, long story short, we just st- I started playing in bands. And, you know, I live in a small town uh, just north of San Francisco called Benicia. Right. So um, a small city of about 26,000 people. And, y- you know, when you're in a city that small, you know, in the 90s, the, what we would call little scenes would pop up, you know, right. um, of bands who would kind of play shows together, play little house parties together, play damp scary little basements you know right um, and, and and warehouses and stuff and all these bands would share members and you know we'd go on little road trips but yeah we i just uh, for the next few years um music kind of became the focus of of my life okay. um never really thought like oh i want to be a professional musician that never okay. even entered my mind you know it was just like i'm having fun with my buddies Right and um, you know, every once in a while we'll get in the van and and go on, you know, quote unquote air quotes tour for <laughs> maybe a long weekend or a week or you know, in a couple of instances maybe even two weeks. Right. Um, and then um, you know, uh, of, of course, not to mention I'm just a fan of music. You know, as this right. is happening, um, I was always I always gravitated to like guitar based stuff. Right. Uh, um, you know, I think the the first cassettes I ever owned were a Scorpions cassette and a, and a Van Halen cassette. Those were my first ever, those were my first tapes. Right. You know, so guitar based stuff. I just always loved that. Okay. And then, um, you know, here in the Bay area, um, these bands like Green Day were getting big. So of course I was a big Green Day fan and you know, that kind of went in so many different directions. You know, I, in my early 20s, I discovered the Beatles. So, you know, they're right. one of my most favorite bands ever. And, you know, a few years later, I discovered ACDC, who even to this day is one of my most favorite bands ever. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, the musical taste just kind of went in all kinds of different directions.
1: Okay. So well, what, what sort of music were you and your friends playing?
0: So, um, I guess for the lack of a better word, punk. Punk rock, right. you know, because we knew, you know, we knew a total of maybe six chords between the <laughs> between the, the lot of us, right? You know? So we would just, you know, we would bang out like little little two minute fast punk rock songs and
1: right. um,
0: and uh, uh, you know, kind of fast loud guitars and, and you know, that's that's what we were playing. And then, you know, as we improved a little bit, there were bands who were more. I guess music technically inclined bands like sunny day real estate. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yes. Sunny day real estate bands like the promise ring, you know, I guess what the stuff that kind of evolved into emo. I know that's kind of a a pejorative. I know people, (laughs) people don't really like that word, but um, stuff like Fugazi, you know, that was another big deal for us. You know, that Washington DC scene. Right. Um, you know minor threat was a big deal and you know okay. um, i remember for the first time hearing minor threat i'd i'd read about them in some i think there was a little blurb in the corner of some back page of of guitar world about like some classic 80s hardcore punk bands and minor threat was one of them and i got a minor threat cassette not really having any idea what they what they sounded like right and the first time i heard them i was like this is not what i expected and it's weird and it, it's offensive and it's not melodic at all but for some reason it i love it right you know <laughs> so you know so yeah so that kind of that kind of you know grew yet another tentacle in the the music another fork in the road of of music taste you know
1: sure absolutely well and you mentioned the bay area and of course i'm i'm a little bit I'm of an age when I think of the Bay area, I think of the late sixties and all of the counterculture music that was coming out at that point, kind of what is the scene around the Bay area these days? Or are you or are you (laughs) in the loop in at all?
0: Not really. I mean, I don't know if this is a function of the internet and social media, but I, it seems like scenes don't, at least geographical scenes don't really seem to happen like they used to. Maybe that's different in places like Nashville, those big like epicenters. You know, you're in Alabama, right?
1: Right. I'm in Birmingham. You're not, you're in for, Birmingham. Not, yeah, not far from Nashville, just a couple of hours. Okay.
0: Yeah. So so yeah, I mean this those those vibrant little kind of small to medium sized scenes don't really I I don't really see them pop up anymore. Maybe I'm out of the loop, you know, in, in a lot of the ways, because I am, I'm, I'm older, you know, Um, I'm 40, I'm 45 now. So they could be popping up in places where I'm just not aware of. And again, could be a function of social media where people connect with each other more based on interests rather than geography. Right. But around here, they're really, I mean, there really isn't, (laughs) you know, there really isn't a scene
1: yeah and and i agree now that you mention it and just thinking about it you know how you know when i was coming up there was there was a little bit of a scene coming out of athens georgia with rem and the b52s rem yeah sure and then of course seattle in the 90s and and i think kind of to your point you know in those days when a record company you know was looking To chase, you know, whatever the hot sound was, right? They would go to a place where that music was being made. But these days, you know, people can release music anywhere (laughs) online. Right? Yeah, you know, the
0: the the record label just went where the sounds were. I mean, I think you're right
1: about that. They would
0: just descend on a place, you know, like they kind of they descended on the Bay Area in the early '90s and Seattle in the late '80s, early '90s, and um. Like, uh, like with, with, with Athens, like you mentioned, right. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the music is just, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's here now it's on, it's on a phone. You people listening can't really see, but I'm holding up my phone, you know? Right. Um, but you know, it's on the music, I, I think is just on TikTok now it's on Instagram. It's on YouTube. Right. You know, yeah. I think, I think the the newest crop of guitar heroes and guitar influencers or, or what have you there are YouTubers and TikTokers, you know, which I nothing wrong with that. I, I love it. You know, they're making music and it's a different thing than the, what I'm used to, but I love it because music is being made, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And that I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I have no problem with how people kind of discover their music these days. I have a son, he just turned 20, but when he was, You know first starting to get into music 12 13 14 years old that's uh, he was you know he would he would look at youtube i guess a video Mm -hmm. it may not be like the old school mtv videos it may just be the lyrics to the song flashing up but you know it was hosted on youtube and that's where people were discovering music and i guess now it's you know spotify or or any of these streaming services and you sure. find one song you like and they uh you know suggest other things in a similar vein just a different experience i guess than me growing up you know where you listen to the top 40 and then i guess the radio stations decided what you needed to listen to
0: <laughs> yeah you know that's a that's re- a really good point billy it is a different experience and you know i i don't want to say maybe people are missing out on what i experienced because maybe they're experiencing it in their own different ways but you know growing up you know you had the radio you know you kind of had that those gatekeepers telling you what's good right. um because that's all they would play on the radio you know <laughs> or MTV even you, right. you know that yeah. was kind of a that was kind of a, a sea change with with videos and such but also as a teenager, we would go to these little, these little crusty little punk shows. You know, like house shows. You know, kids renting out VFW halls, kids having shows in their parents' basement because their parents are gone that weekend. For a few years, we had some friends that rented out a warehouse here in Venetia. They actually lived there. They lived in this warehouse, but also hosted uh, shows there, hosted concerts there. Okay. So we actually not only practice there but had concerts there and stuff and we would kind of go around the bay, bay area kind of seeing bands that we like and kind of create relationships with these other bands and then invite them to our warehouse here in venetia that we were super proud of you know right um, and that network kind of grew and, and grew and then they would start inviting us places and i don't know if that's happening now or if it's just happening and happening in a in a different way right you know, with again YouTube TikTok Instagram and all that. So, right. you know, not and not not to say that any of that is bad. I, again, I love it. You know, I'm I'm just I'm checking out new guitar players and stuff on YouTube and Instagram every day. Uh, right. But, but yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and to your point. When, you know, one of the very first people I talked to in this series was Mike Gutterman and his son is into doing the electronic music and he's collaborated with people like on the other side of the world. Sure. (laughs) So that's that's a whole new option that has been opened up to people creating music these days, which I think is great.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. What is now I haven't gone back through much of of your backlog. I haven't had the Mm -hmm. opportunity yet, but what is. What is your background in music? What are you, what are you all about? What's what's kind of you know who yeah. are you? I'm, we're turning the tables here for just for a minute, if you don't mind.
1: No, not at all, not at all. So, uh, on the music side of things, I was in the school band. I played trumpet. This was uh, in junior high and high school, so about six years. The the marching band and the concert band. So that was sort of my intro introduction to playing music I would say not my parents but several of my cousins and my sister and sort of in my close family were musical you know musically inclined people so it it was a natural fit for me to jump into that and then once I got out of school just didn't really want to sit around in my apartment and play the trumpet <laughs> so picked up an acoustic guitar and and started trying to learn that and I Still dabble a little bit with that, just, you know, recreationally sitting around. Uh, On the photography side of things, got an AE-1 when I was 18 as sort of a birthday slash Christmas slash graduation present.
0: (laughs) Cool. Awesome.
1: Um, But we always had a family camera, you know, 110s and Polaroids or uh, Instamatics or, or whatever the case may be. And I just always enjoyed that part of it, you know, taking pictures of me and my friends uh, clowning around or doing whatever we were doing and just have taken pictures my whole life. But photography was never really a hobby for me. It was for the memories, but I got into it as a hobby later mm-hmm. on. But that's, we're jumping a little bit ahead in this story. Sure, no, that's, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so on the music side, it was trumpet in school and then guitar afterwards in terms of playing music. Uh, Listening to music, I was very much an 80s MTV kid, you know, just all of the whatever, Bruce Springsteen or Van Halen or Michael Jackson or any of that stuff. But when I really kind of, that was sort of just, not being a music fan, I would say so much as, as when I got a little bit older and the nineties and the whole grunge scene hit. And that was when I was sort of, you know, maybe starting to buy my own music for what I wanted to listen to rather than just whatever happened to be on the radio or whatever family members or friends might be playing or whatever. So that was kind of, you know, uh, guitar based, as the music that I listen to and guitar, I guess if I had to pick something to play for the rest of my life, that would be it.
0: Oh, very good. Okay. Do you have a guitar now other than your acoustic that you were talking about? Or
1: No, I, I have had a few. I, the That very first acoustic is the only guitar I have kept. Uh, oh, so you still have it? i still have it i have had i've had a couple of the strat you know the cheap beginner strat copies at the phone or whatever yeah had a um a 12-string acoustic i bought in a pawn shop had a couple of nice uh yamaha electric acoustics um, but they all eventually found new homes, but I, I've still got that, very, that very first one, the, the OG.
0: <laughs> yeah. The OG, my first guitar was a PV. It was a PV predator, Okay. which is, which is a strat copy.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't have it anymore. Unfortunately, I had these grand designs to, uh, refinish it myself. Right. Um, but that kind of never really, I stripped, I went so far as to take it apart and strip the finish off of it. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just lost interest and then right. I, I, just one day I was like it would just make more sense to like sell this on eBay or whatever. This was like early early 2000s, so you know, maybe like 2004, or 2005 or something like that. And uh, right. you know, it's like my first guitar. I totally destroyed it. Took it apart, stripped the finish off and then sold all the parts and I I I really regret that. I, I yeah. absolutely
1: regret that. So, Oh yeah. But so you are, you are still playing today at, at least for yourself. Definitely. Yeah. For
0: myself, I haven't played in a band since I want to say 2008. So it's been a long time since I've played in a band. Right. Um, The last band I was in, I was playing bass and it was one of those situations where the bass player left. Mm-hmm. Um And you know, they just reached, they were friends of mine and they just reached out and said, you want to play bass? <laughs> I said, okay, yeah. And then I did that for, I did that for a few years, or four, almost five years. And that was, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I just, we would drive to Oakland to rehearse, to these rehearsal studios. So that's, I don't know, maybe like a 30 minute drive a few times a week. Right. Um, and then, you know, we would book shows here here and there uh, a few shows a month and then that just kind of as a hobby that stopped appealing to me right you know
1: I can say that
0: uh, you know you just kind of you get you get older you get out of your teens and and it's <laughs> like you know hanging out I love my friends and I love hanging out with my friends but it's like you know you can only carry like a, a, a big heavy cabinet into a, a club at 9:30 at night on a Tuesday so many times you know (laughs) right right Um, where you know where you're not obviously not going to make any money and you know not that I was interested in the money but it just it it just stopped I don't want to say it stopped being fun but I just felt like the fun was elsewhere you know I like I like hanging out with my friends like when Mm -hmm. we on the afternoons where we have nothing to do and there's a garage full of amps and a drum set, you know, that's, that's a lot of fun. But as you kind of, you know, kind of grow right. out of, you know, I, I guess I kind of grew out of as much as I loved it. I, I grew out of it. Sure. So I just, you know, one day I said, you know, guys, I love you. I'm just not interested in, in doing this anymore. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, I will see you guys around. I'll see you at the barbecue this Saturday, but I'm, I'm not going to, be in this band anymore and you know they un-
1: they understood they all understood. yeah
0: it's, it's cool they went on for a little bit but oh but, yeah
1: no yeah. oh, i can understand that well well if you are inclined to pick up a guitar uh at home or whatever just to play around these days what what would it be
0: uh what kind of guitar or what kind of music A
1: yeah. uh, guitar
0: oh well i just got a new guitar actually um, okay <laughs> i got a i got a harmony silhouette i wish i had it. Okay. i don't have it i'm at my office i don't have it here with me mm-hmm. um i got a harmony silhouette and um i don't know if you're familiar with with harmony as it is today but harmony in the 30s and 40s they used to make like super cheap like just the plywood guitars you know right. just they you you'd buy them for i don't know 20 bucks out of a sears catalog that kind of those kinds of guitars right but they were really cool looking really unique shapes and really unique designs that you really don't see much nowadays but as they are today they're owned by a company called heritage out of kalamazoo michigan um and uh, i believe heritage is owned by a company overseas however heritage's factory is in kalamazoo michigan and all the guitars heritage guitars and harmony guitars are made in michigan okay so they're they're made in the united states so yeah uh, that's that's the the latest guitar i got is a a harmony silhouette it's got two mini humbuckers just a volume and a tone and a three-way switch right and it's just super super simple it sounds amazing um and uh yeah i just saw I think I saw someone on YouTube with it, you know, demoing it and I was like right. that guitar is awesome. <laughs> um, and uh yeah, it just one popped up on Facebook Marketplace kind of locally a few weeks ago. Right. Or maybe a couple of months ago at this point, but yeah, I just I just had to have it. All right. Well, nice. Yeah. Swell. And I also have um my my pride and joy though is I have um a Fender Jaguar. A oh. um, yeah it's nice. a, it's a, it's a 62 reissue
1: mm-hmm.
0: or i think they call it an american vintage they don't use the word reissue but it's right. a 62 american vintage um made in 2005 okay. so that that is my that's my pride and joy that's the guitar that i'm telling myself i'm never gonna sell right um uh, but i've told myself that about so many guitars <laughs> <laughs> and cameras for that matter absolutely so, um and then um i also uh, here for the office i have a cheap little thing here i'll i'll show you your your okay. listeners won't be able to see this but uh, at least you'll see it hold on yeah okay here we go all right so this is oh nice it looks like a fender mustang yeah it looks like a fender mustang however it is not it is it is a, a super cheap um, import brand called i y v Okay. People call it Ivy, but it's not Ivy. <laughs> right, I Y V. They have a a weirdly loyal following. It, they're, yeah. they're really good guitars. I got this guitar for a hundred dollars. Oh wow! Um, and they retail for about a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So, um, and it's really well built. I mean, it works great. It sounds great, and it's just my little beater for here at the office. So,
1: right, and it does look nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, it looks terrific. It looks terrific. I'm super, I'm super happy with it. Um, and if I ever come across one again locally, cause I found this locally on right. Craigslist marketplace. Okay. So if I ever come across another one, I'm totally going to grab it. But, uh, but yeah, those are, those are my guitars. Those are my three guitars.
1: All right. Well, since you mentioned it, now that we know what you would be playing, what, what sort of music, would you be playing, strumming, or picking along to these? You know days? those.
0: You know those six chords I told you about
1: earlier. Yeah,
0: those are still the only ones I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm right I, there I, with you.
0: <laughs> I, I I say that honestly and sincerely. Is that I have not improved since I was 20. Yeah, I have not improved. I truly have not. I play just some open chords, you know, and mm-hmm. some power chords and i chug a little bit you know play maybe a little bit of acdc the little bit that i know right but uh, but that's pretty much it i'm not i truly have not improved on guitar <laughs> in, a, in a long time
1: <laughs> well and i can i i can relate absolutely and i think it's it would probably be it, it well it might be hard for anyone who who doesn't do something along those lines to understand but it is It is. It can be very therapeutic and uh, Zen-like, just sitting there, getting it. You know, creating a little bit of music out of nothing. (laughs)
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I love. You know, I do love. Just like kind of in the photography realm of things, I love gear and I love playing with toys and I like trying new things. Right. Um, You know, just yesterday, actually, I should I should mention this. I have a little bit of an exclusive. News for you. I haven't. This is news I haven't really shared with anybody yet, outside of a couple of friends, my family, of course, and a couple of friends. Right. Are you familiar with the company Dunlop, as in Jim Dunlop, like picks and Crybaby wah pedals and MXR effects? So I just, um, I just started working for those guys last week. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's a. uh, I started working full time. I'm an account manager. Okay. So I I work with dealers on the eastern region of the United States. Okay. Um, and uh yeah, it's been a huge life change for me. I'll um, bet. pretty crazy opportunity, amazing opportunity that kind of I'm not gonna say fell into my lap, but it kind of fell into my lap, you know. Right. But uh you know, and I'm not sure how familiar you are, familiar you are with Dunlop, but they are based here in Venetia in my hometown. Okay. Um, And they're one of this city's largest employers. Right. But they are on the secretive side. I've lived in this town for, gosh, almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. And I've known maybe three people that work there. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they're, you, you know. Not high profile in the community. Not high profile. They don't involve themselves in any local politics. They don't. Right. Uh, sponsor any local little league teams nothing like that you know <laughs> right. um they're they're pretty they're pretty secretive they're pretty um y- you know and and it's by design i've learned right. for you know for many reasons right um but yeah yeah i just started working for those guys last week and in the gosh in the past 2 weeks like more cool stuff has happened to me <laughs> than in the last 15 years of my other my other job because I was working for an insurance company doing like like marketing lead generation right. and stuff like that. Um, right. and uh, yeah, in the last two weeks, so much cool stuff has happened. Uh, yesterday afternoon, the the VP of marketing plops an unreleased MXR pedal, oh wow. unreleased unannounced MXR pedal on my desk and says, <laughs> "Here, try this. You're gonna have to, you know you're gonna have to know everything about this since you're gonna be selling them. So <laughs> I took this this pedal home which you know i can't talk about what it is and right tried it and it was you know it was such a, a surreal experience that like he just comes by and plops it on my desk and says like hey try this you know I'll like bet. It's, it's secret nobody knows about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's very cool very yeah cool. yeah
0: so but yeah dunlop great family owned company you know legendary jim dunlop who passed away unfortunately in 2019 was Kind of a legend amongst, you know, here locally, but amongst musicians too, you know? Right. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, his name lives on and it's been a cool opportunity. All right.
1: Well, you're not going to end up like me when I worked at uh, Sam Goody's or Musicland, just not even getting a check because you're just turning it all around on your employee discount.
0: (laughs) That's probably how it's going to end up. No. i'm gonna i'm
1: gonna eke out
0: all the discounts i can and try out all the prototypes and unreleased stuff i can but i plan to uh i definitely plan to buy stuff
1: right right well that it is very cool and congratulations that it, it is a great opportunity but just also for somebody who enjoys this stuff and loves it you know uh like you said very cool opportunity yeah
0: yeah i've been I'm. i'm grateful for it big Big life change big adjustment kind of have to rework my life around this but it's been it's been worth it so far and i'm excited to see where it goes
1: right so just to start working a little bit more of the photography into things i did mention that even though i still wasn't what i would call into photography as a hobby i did get a, a canon a1 when i was 18 which was my first quote unquote real camera <laughs> A nice one obviously um that sort of fed the fire of photography for me i think so how did kind of what was your initial spark or how did you get into it
0: that's a great question so for for years i didn't even know what the word photography didn't mean anything to me it was just it was just Taking pictures because I like right. having pictures, just like what what you said. With, uh, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but right. you, you're not really. It's not really photography as a hobby. You're just document. You're creating and documenting memories. Right, and that's all it was to me. And for really, to a large extent, that's still what it is for me. I mm-hmm. think that's my favorite thing about photography is that it's a document and it's kind of a creation of memories of things that have people you love things that happen places you went. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how I got into it. You know, I, I remember, gosh, being, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old and my sister handing me a camera mm-hmm. um, at her high school graduation and saying, you know, take pictures. Right. And I was ecstatic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I knew nothing about it. I would just point and shoot, but I would see just, you know, anything that I thought was interesting. And I just snap, 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 you know? Right. Um, and I remember so many of them came out like out of focus and blurry because, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. You right. know, even it, it was a point and shoot. It was an autofocus point and shoot, but it was like, I remember it being dusk and I would just like not really hold the camera steady and just snap, snap, snap. But I was just hooked. You know, I knew I was creating, I knew I was creating memories of this important thing of these these people i loved and that were important to me in my life right and it just kind of carried on from that you know as a teenager you know again playing music with friends you know one of us had a camera either a video camera or a a little point and shoot right and we would just pile those pictures up you know (laughs) we would go to we'd buy our film and get our film developed at costco Mm -hmm. because it was because it was cheap you know right so um yeah we would just pile up Pictures and make memories and stuff, and then um, in the early 2000s, you know, when digital point and shoots started becoming affordable, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of that's when I discovered photography. You know, because right. the internet came along with that, and with right. the internet came communities like DP Review mm-hmm. and the Analog Photo User Group um, and other you know forums like that, and that's when I discovered photography you know not just taking pictures not just snapping pictures but actual photography and like the the gear and the toys and the techniques that came with that
1: right okay and so at what point i i know this was earlier in your career you were doing unit still photography right
0: yeah yeah so in um in 2000 eight or nine or so everybody remembers DVDs, probably everybody listening right. today. But you know, so when I, when I bought DVDs, the first thing I would do is watch the special features. That was my favorite thing. I love the behind the scenes stuff. Right. And I, I saw a little featurette on a still photographer named Jason Boland. Mm-hmm. And when I found out that job existed, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Right. I, I could not believe that there was a guy on movie sets and all all they do is take photographs all right. day for the duration of the production, you know, in front of and behind the camera. I, cu- I couldn't believe that existed. So I just thought to myself, that's what I want to do. Like that's, that's, that's amazing. So, you know, through the power of the internet and research, you know, I tried to get a foot in that with some varying levels of success. Um, you know, I worked right. for some productions for the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for uh, a cu- a few feature films, a bunch of short films, um, right. and then and then that kind of that kind of bled into because i I worked with a lot of actors and stuff,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: kind of bled into taking photographs for theatrical productions right. Um, and that as as a business became much more viable, right um, because every every small town has a theater company maybe mm-hmm. even 3 <laughs> you know <laughs> um and they all need pictures and all those actors want headshots right you know so as a business that became more viable there was the hours were better there was less travel not no travel but there was much less travel right you know i'm not i'm not on set for 12 sometimes many more hours a day you know right. i'm not having to travel to far off locations or or whatever <laughs> you know um i'm just right. kind of I I built up a clientele locally here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So that kind of became the majority of of my business. That and actors headshots. Okay. So that's kind of, you know, in the in the professional side of things. I guess what I'm trying to say is like photography it was it was always I I never really saw the art side of it. I always right. saw the kind of the the commercial side of it uh, right. and that like this thing that is artistic and it, it, it is creative and I do love it and enjoy it. And it is my hobby, but it right. could all, it could also pay my rent, you know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so
1: yeah. So yeah. And, and kind of going back, that was one of the reasons I was asking about was the unit stills work. Mm-hmm. how you got into doing photography professionally. Was that your first sort of like paying someone paying you to take pictures
0: yeah well let me think about this was it i think it was i think that was the first penny i ever made from photography was a unit stills job okay um i did you know i solicited a lot of local productions you know i did a lot of work for free for friends and stuff and and little filmmakers with no zero budget right and then and then if i remember this correctly i'm pretty sure you know one day I got a call from a production company that was working on a production for the discovery channel. Mm -hmm. And they said, we need someone tonight. What's your rate? And I did not even know the answer to that question. You know, I, (laughs) I had, I was like, I think what I said was Oh, let me get back to you. (laughs) You know, like, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot right now. Bad cell reception. Let me get back (laughs) to you. You know? Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I got that call like at, Ten o'clock in the morning, and I think it it was a night shoot. So by six o'clock that night, I was on that set, um right. and then I shot the rest of the season of that television show, mm-hmm. um, and then I did a few more seasons, and I did other you know other productions for this production company.
1: Okay. So, so skipping ahead to the theater stuff, were you doing that photography like during rehearsals or during live performances?
0: So how that works is. More often than not, I shoot the final dress rehearsal. Okay. So uh, that way, it's uh, all costumes are in place, props are in place, lights and special effects are all in place, and makeup is all there, and uh, and there's no crowd, so I can move about freely. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that, that's usually. I would say 99% of the time it is the final dress and technical rehearsal, which is the night before opening, usually the night before or
1: two nights before opening. Right. Okay. I was curious. Theater was another thing that I did in high school. Oh, Uh, so I was just interested in that. I was curious about that in general, but also just a few of the other people i talked to during the series. One of the things they enjoy doing is concert photography. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, That's one place where music and photography crosses literally for those folks. Absolutely. But if you're shooting a live show, right, if you miss the shot, you just miss the shot. They're not going to stop and do it over for you again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that applies
0: applies to theatrical stuff. I used to agonize over the shots I'd missed just because I knew I saw a moment and I missed it and it would have made a great photo. Mm -hmm. And I would just agonize over it for (laughs) probably the first couple of years I did it. Right. But uh, I just learned to kind of get over that. <laughs> sure. Uh, because, you know, you do, for the shots you miss, there are 10 others that you deliver, you know? Right. So, but, uh, but yeah.
1: Okay. And then when you started doing the headshots, you know, that type thing, I feel like not everybody is comfortable working with people. Did that come naturally to you or did you no. have to kind of grow into it?
0: Not, it did not come naturally. At all. I'm actually very, One thing I learned about myself in like the last 10 years or so, I'm very introverted. Mm -hmm. Um, I love people and I love talking to people and I love talking about this stuff. Right. This is not natural to me.
1: (laughs) Right. It is
0: not natural to me at all. And a lot of people who I share that with, they're just they're dumbfounded. They don't. A lot of people don't believe me, you know, Um, but it's just as much as I love it, I find it exhausting and I have to over the years, I've learned how to talk to people. Right. It was hard. I had to work at it a lot. Mm-hmm. I still honestly have to work at it. I still get a little nervous before every headshot shoot because like, I don't, right. I don't know, I don't want to come off as stupid or like <laughs> an amateur or whatever. Right. You know, but yeah, I had to work at it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had some friends who were great at it and, you know, I assisted a little bit and kind of saw, how right. they did it um, and also um, YouTube was coming along as a resource this was like 2009 ish uh, mm-hmm. 2010 thereabouts right so you know YouTube and not even necessarily YouTube but like other resources like um Scott Kelby do you you know you oh yeah Scott Kelby yeah you know um, Kelby media and all that stuff they were releasing like tutorial videos right you know before youtube was the absolute behemoth that it is today (laughs) right they were kind of doing it on their own they had their own media channel they had their own website they had their own publishing house and stuff so right but yeah through the help of some friends and the internet i learned how to do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) following up from your recent new opportunity is that going to cut into some of your photography work are you still going to be able to work some of that in on Um, the side (laughs)
0: as i adjust yeah because mm. right now it's just ta- it's taking up 99 percent of my brain power it is t- it is taking up all my brain power i mean it's a, it's a day job so you know i get to i get to finish at the end of the day and go home i had a few shoots last week it was my first week mm-hmm. at dunlop but i had a, a few shoots you right. know so i kind of i you know i kind of had to Grip my teeth and get through those <laughs> right. um, even though i was just really tired and just really spent both physically and and mentally you know right yeah it's probably going to slow down a little bit but i do still have clients that are calling me and booking me you know so awesome so um yeah i get to uh, i still get to do that stuff if if anybody asks me
1: to all right i teased shoot film co at the very top and as we're talking, is today the 8th anniversary of the site? Yeah, the website went live. I think I
0: got my one order on on this day Okay, um, in 2015. Very so, cool.
1: So April 20th of 2015, kind of what was going on in your life at that point that kind of inspired you to start it?
0: I had a kid, my first kid. Mm-hmm. Who, at the time was was four, and I had my second kid on the way. Mm-hmm. so I was at home a lot, you know, I was kind of helping my wife with stuff at home. The photography stuff was still happening, but my I guess my heart and my mind weren't in that, right, but I just started even before photography, I also had a love for graphic design, right. So I started kind of designing this silly, you know, just these silly little graphics and stuff. And, and the first thing, you know, just these play, play on word type things. And one of the first things I created was an embroidered patch. It was a design mm-hmm. that it was more just an interesting design. And then later on became an embroidered patch. Right. And so I thought like, Hey, I should make an embroidered patch. You know, I see embroidered patches here and there, and they're really cool. and. There's all kinds of like retro designs that I really admire and, and really inspire me kind of visually. Right. Um, and I thought I'll make an embroidered patch and Mm. I did like the company I work with, you have to make a minimum of 25. Okay. You know, so I had 25 of these patches and what the hell am I going to do with 25 patches? (laughs) You know, like I'm going to give them away to my friends. So that's exactly what I did. I, I started using Instagram in 2013. So I had some, I had, a little bit of some, some friendships on Instagram. So I sent some to those people. Right. And then over the next few weeks, you know, they would contact me and just say, Hey, like, do you have any more of those patches? Like, you know, so I had to make more. I had to make like a run of a (laughs) hundred, you know, I spent a bunch of money just to make patches to, to give away, you know? Right. And so I thought like, Hey, this is a cool thing. Like I'll make a little store. Right. So I made, you know, those patches and a sticker and, Put them up on a store and the rest is history you know i think i got an order that evening like one order that evening (laughs) right somebody and and yeah it has grown in a way that like i never would have imagined right we got a bunch of product skews now that you know patches kind of became became stickers and pins and t-shirts and are still to this day my most popular product is a notebook right um and then also another popular product are these straps that are made of this material. It's not leather. It's like a synthetic material that's super mm-hmm. strong. Those are really popular. People love those. And but yeah, eight years as of as <laughs> of today. I I cannot believe that it, it has been eight years.
1: And you you have some sort of graphic design in your background, right? Was that just a passion of yours or did you study it?
0: So I didn't study it formally. It was a passion, but also one of my first jobs was at a print shop. Okay. So, you know, they had computers and stuff where customers would need some things designed. Mostly it was fixing customers' bad files. Okay. To be printed, to be ready for printing. Right. Um, but through that, I learned how graphic design and how the print industry and how how the production side of, of design actually works. So, you know, I got my hands on these computers. I learned how to use Photoshop and I learned how to use illustrator and, you know, Quark express, if anybody still uses Quark (laughs) express outside of the publishing world and, you know, InDesign and stuff like that. So, you know, that kind of introduced me into the, the Adobe world of things, you know, the professional quote-unquote professional stuff (laughs) you know um, just because I loved it you know I love getting my hands on stuff and and learning how things work
1: right well there's several things about the site that I enjoy myself and and appreciate you know the first one is completely personal which is that anybody in my life who knows I like film photography they don't know what to buy me right so I can send them (laughs) i can send them to your site and say just get anything you know i would love to have anything on the site just that's fine buy it, buy it and give it to me but kind of more to the point of of our conversation tonight what i like about it is that you found this way to combine these things that you enjoy you enjoy the graphic design you enjoy photography which is the subject of, of these designs and then it was a way of engaging with the community right right so i i guess kind of reflect on that last part of that the engaging with the community i mean before you know you had the site to now and the friends you've made or connections you've made with other people who are into photography or whatever i mean how, how has that kind of made a difference in the photography hobby for you i guess
0: First of all that's an amazing question but I truly do not think it can be measured. I don't think the difference can be measured because I've I've met so many amazing people that are are my friends. I've met people like you who are mm-hmm. interested enough in this, you know, I call it this this dumb stuff that I do. <laughs> uh right. you know, but but you're interested enough to to talk to me about it. Yeah. Which which means it's like if if you're interested in, enough in this stuff to talk to me about it, then that means I'm going to find you interesting right. because we're, we're going to have like a big cross section of stuff that we, that we love and are passionate about, you know? Right. So, you know, when you meet people like yourself and you know, all the, the many friends that I've made, it's, it's honestly pretty insane. It it, you know, it can't, it can't be measured. It's, it's, it's made such a huge difference in my life. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question, Billy. That's a great question. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah,
1: it does, absolutely. And just kind of going back, you know, we were talking about the episode with Mike and Bill recently, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what made me think about it. You know, I, I imagine this is true in any hobby or passion or things that we get enthusiastic about in life. You know, you enjoy the thing itself, which in this case for me, for example, would be film photography, right? But there's all of these people in the community and they find different ways, you know, like me, maybe doing this podcast or other people do a YouTube channel or people make zines or, uh, you know, Bill has started up his film company now, or Mike Gutterman makes the production music that people like me can use on our podcast. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we find all of these ways to not just enjoy the the main thing that we enjoy but to build on that and to engage with the community and and having your site struck me as a you know not just an example of that but such a unique example because you're offering these very cool items to people who who love them obviously. sure yeah
0: yeah thank you thank you and you know what I also love is that you know when you meet you meet people and you have a cross-section of interests, to me it makes the other interests that i don't that i'm not really familiar with more much more interesting right you know what i mean like a lot of people when i see a friend and it's a while since i've talked to them you know i ask how they're doing you know a lot of them say like oh i haven't been shooting much and and i think to myself well And I've actually said this to some people too, you know, because I sometimes people get down in the dumps because they think they know me through photography, that that's kind of all I care about. And that's all I'm about. Right. But, you know, I've made it a point to tell people like, Hey, you know, I think you're cool outside of the photography, you know, Mm -hmm. like outside of the, even though we bonded over photography, that's, I know you're, you're more outside of that. Right. You know? And when I, When I, when I bond with somebody over photography, I just, it just makes me far more interested about everything about their life, you know, about other stuff that I don't know about, you know, like people, people who, who code, you know, people who paint or people who just love to go fishing. You know what I mean? It's like, I find when I make a friend, it's because I find so much
1: of them interesting and not
0: just the photography and not just the music.
1: Right. Well, Mike, this has been great and I really do appreciate, like I said, you taking some time to jump on here and talk about these things. You know, it's been the common theme. You know, this music and photography was like a very easy thing because so many people enjoy both of these things, I think, and certainly appreciate you jumping on to share kind of your insights into how they've played a part in your life.
0: Well, yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And um, yeah, I love the podcast. I need some more time to kind of delve into the backlog. But, you know, when I saw that it was those two things, which are easily the biggest things in my life, other than video games, because I play I play video (laughs) games. But in, in my life, music and photography are just easily the biggest things. And of course, there's my family, of course. Right. They take priority. Um, But uh, but yeah, music and photography are just, you know, they are they are tent poles of my life. So I love that. um, I love that you're doing it.
1: Absolutely. So tell everyone how they can uh, follow along with what all you've got going on. Let's see here. There's so many.
0: Uh, Twitter. (laughs) I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet a whole lot, but I am there. It's it's at Mike Padua. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-D-U-A. I'm on Instagram at at the Mike Padua. Shoot Film Co is shootfilmco.com. And then my photography is at com.
1: All right. Well, thanks
0: again, Mike. I really do appreciate it. Hey, Billy, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Special thanks to Mike Padawa for joining me. I really enjoyed hearing about his journey through music and photography. Check out the show notes and give them a follow. And also be sure to pop over to shootfilmco.com and pick up some film photography goodies. Our theme song Timeless is from Mike Gutterman. Mike makes music for content creators available on his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. Thanks to the Sunny 16 team for hosting the feed. You can get in touch with them at sunny16presents at gmail.com. And as always, as John Whitmore might say, always try and be a decent human being.